All right, are we all ready? Now I gotta remember what I say. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Tiffany Keel. My pronouns are her and she, and I'm excited to be on the show, and I will turn it over to Wendy and Anne. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of HR Wonder Women. I'm your host, Wendy, and with me, as always, is Anne. Hello, Anne. Hi, Wendy. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing today? I am doing well. I'm excited for tonight's conversation. (laughs) Me too. Me too. And I think, you know, one of the greatest things um, with Tiffany is we have talked with her in the past on um, HR Social Hour. So she, she's our second official um, crossover guest um, right after um, Sarah Morgan. So Tiffany is in great company. Um, But we are going to jump right in to to this conversation because it is going to be fantastic and awesome. Uh, But we will begin, like we always do, um, by sharing how we identify so you can better understand the lens through which we view the world. Um, So I am Wendy. I'm white, straight, side gender, female, Christian, and non-disabled, um, or intermittently disabled. I think I'm going to change that because that is one thing that can change and change very quickly for us. Um, how about you, Anne? Uh, yeah, thanks. I am, um, well, you know, we talk a lot about how there are many different ways that we identify and context matters. So in different places, different different aspects of my identity are more important. I will say I don't usually talk about being a grandmother on this show, but um, COVID has meant that I've gone for a lot longer without seeing my grandchildren. And it is uh, coloring the way I see the world right now, for sure. Um, Beyond being a grandmother, I am a straight, white, cisgender woman, uh, non-disabled. I think those are the things about me that are particularly important for this conversation, um, to just know the lens that I'm seeing the world through, the the lenses that can limit me um, because of my identity and the ways that I try and see the world beyond those identities um, in conversations like this. Agreed, agreed. And so with that, I am going to jump into an introduction. I am so excited that tonight we are talking to Tiffany Keel. Tiffany has over two decades of human resources and talent acquisition experience, enabling her to bring unique industry insight to every search. She's held high-level talent acquisition positions within manufacturers, including Donaldson Company, Honeywell, and MTS Systems. Tiffany earned a bachelor's degree in speech communication from Minnesota State University, Mankato, and attended graduate school at Concordia University, St. Paul, for organizational management and human resources. She serves as the past director of the Minnesota Society for Human Resources Management State Council, held multiple roles on the Twin Cities Society for Human Resources Association Board of Directors, serves on the advisory board with Recruiters Network, and was an advisory board member for Minnesota Recruiters. Tiffany, welcome. We are so uh, excited to be having this conversation with you. And um, we're going to jump right into our first question, which is, um, we know that intersectionality matters. It's the reason we're doing this podcast. And we all have many ways in which we identify and different parts of our identity matter more in some spaces than others. So when thinking about this conversation, how do you identify? And what are your pronouns? And I forgot that my pronouns are she, or I should have said that earlier. <laughs> okay. Now, Thank really. You. Yes. Tiffany, it's your well, yes, we do that. Yes, we forget you for- every time. 
<laughs> every time. Um, thank you again for, for the invitation to be part of this conversation. I identify as uh, single, female, and I am black. I am also a mother. Um, so I, I see the, le the world through multiple lenses. Um, in addition, I do have disabilities, so I do see things that way as well. Um, my pronouns are she and her. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, Tiffany. And my, my pronouns also she and her. Um, <laughs> always. Um, Tiffany, so excited to have you um, here because, you know, we've, uh, we've gotten to know you over the past few years um, in various ways. And so being able to have this conversation with you, I think, is, is going to be um, important and, um, and enlightening. Um, so, but we're going to harken back to our very first HR Wonder Women episode almost two years ago, which I can't believe. I'm just, wow. Um, <laughs> um, in that episode, we talked with Margaret Spence, and we talked about the challenges that women of color face in career advancement. Um, her response was that they aren't roadblocks, roadblocks as much as concrete barriers. And so here we are nearly two years later, and the question still remains. So Tiffany, knowing that you have a background um, and experience as a talent acquisition professional, what do you see as some of those biggest challenges facing black women and non-black women of color who are looking for their next career opportunity and how can HR help and how do we hinder? It's a really great question and I think it's, it's almost a catch 22. So here we are where we've got, um, you know, we're, we're in management positions, but not necessarily in leadership or executive roles. And we're, we're operating in, in these worlds where they're in these organizations, there aren't people in those top roles that look like us, yet we're striving to get into those roles in, in some cases. So it's, it's hard to, you know, reach out to individuals and say, tell me how you got there. Um, or, you know, ask for someone to be a mentor when there are so few. And then that's countered with, well, you know, only 13% of the population in the U.S. is black. Why would we expect that our executive roles are, you know, at 25 or 50%? So there, there's, there are a lot of factors going on. Um, when it comes to, you know, trying to get into, you know, leadership roles, be it, you know, those senior leadership or the C-suite or the, the executive positions. And I, I think you'll find, you know, as, as we encounter some of those, those concrete barriers, many of us are going out on our own. So we don't have to encounter those barriers, building our own businesses. Um, the other thing being um, just overall perception so, and I've seen this happen firsthand, you know, voicing my concern or my opinion in the, in, in, um, the vein of continuous improvement. So looking at enhancing how we operate, how our practices um, impact employees, consumers, customers, and being viewed as the angry black woman versus the employee who is trying to advance the organization. So there are a lot of things that kind of get in the way, um, and I don't think uh, a lot of people realize that. So yeah, so then where where does HR fit in into that? Like what what are the ways, what are some things that we can be doing? Um, what are some things that we're currently doing that um, 
keep those roadblocks up? From my perspective, I think one of the, the biggest things and the biggest hindrances is that we try to do DE&I by checklist or we try to incorporate diversity, equity, and inclusion by um, initiative or program versus looking at, at it from the human aspect where, where people treat, you know, incorporate how you are interacting with all types of people into who you are as an organization versus, you know, let, let's get our checklist together and let's look at percentages and, you know, let's figure out a way to, to, you know, build a program out of this. It's, it's bigger than a program. It's who you are as a business. And HR, I think, has that responsibility to, you know, sit with other executives and say, we need to practice what we're preaching. We need to bring people in of, of all shapes, sizes, colors, n not just because of a, a, a corporate mandate or a government program, but because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, so, yeah, so you've, you've talked a little bit about the things, and I think this is so important, right? Making sure that um, we're we're weaving this DEI into all aspects of the business and it doesn't stay this sort of side program. Um, but you're in, in talent acquisition. So talk to us from a talent acquisition perspective. How can we get more black women and non-black women of color into that talent pipeline to get them into that leadership position? I think it goes back to organizational culture. You know, if, if I, you know, as, as I look for a job or as candidates are looking for their next opportunity, organizations need to be upfront about who they are. If diversity, equity, and inclusion is truly important to them, it's going to be part of that conversation when they are out trying to tap people on the shoulder to join their business. If it isn't currently part of who they are and they want it to be, the, the recognition that there there's a gap there, but they know what they're going to do to close that gap says a lot. So if you're out there and you're trying to bring people into your organization and you want um, a diverse slate or you want to diversify your workforce, you have to be able to back it up and, and prove that you, you have the, the tools, the, t the, the resources, and the environment and culture internally in your organization to support. And what I mean by that is so frequently we talk about, you know, bringing our whole selves to work. I should not, you know, I identify as a mom. I identify as a black woman. I am single. I should not have to leave any of that at the door as I'm walking into the office to work for the day. And organizations need to be able to, to prove that they can support that. So I should be able to be a black single mom at my job, just like I'm a black single mom when I'm at home. I think that that's a great point, Tiffany. And we see that, I think we're gonna see a lot more push in that direction. Um, you know, we, we did see COVID, COVID showed that we can get a lot of people working from home, working in different spots, working in different locations and, um, and still be productive members of, of an organization. And so I think that's, um, you know, that's key when we talk about 
we want you to bring your whole self to work, but, but not, but not, not that part. Don't bring that parent part. Don't bring, you know, <laughs> we, I think we see that a lot. So I, I, I'm glad that you called that up because I think that's one of the areas that um, we've seen a slight shift with COVID, but I hope that we continue to see that shift to allow people to choose how to bring themselves to work, still take care of the job that needs to be done and take care of their family, their home, whatever it is they do outside of that paycheck. So um, I, I like that you called that out. Um, we're going to shift a little bit to um, talking about um, Black Lives Matter. Um, you have very much been a vocal proponent of it. I've learned a lot from you um, these past few months um, in everything that you've shared out um, in, in social media. Um, so what do you hope to see from HR in the future to improve DEI in the workplace for black and non-black people of color? I think it's uh, critical for organizations to be vocal about where they stand. Just like if you truly have a diverse and welcoming culture, it should be, I should be able to go to your company's website and either I'm, I'm seeing people that look like me, I'm seeing a statement about where you stand. And when I walk through the doors, I can feel that you're backing it up by how you operate as a business. So it needs to be one of those where, yep, we stand behind humans of all kind, period. That's there, it's, you know, in my mind and in my heart, this isn't, a, it's not a political issue. It's about human beings and it's about humans being treated equally and fairly across the board, despite or whether or not they, they have a disability, whether or not they um, are of darker complexion, it does not matter. So it, for me, when, you know, when, when I say that, that black lives matter, it's in, in the, the common retort is, well, all lives matter. Well, not until black lives matter. Um, and you, you've probably heard that over and over again, but there are people out there that don't believe that. They don't see that there is an issue with the systems in our country and how we or people who look like me are adversely impacted. Those systems are not set up the same way they are for me as they are for someone who is white. It, it, the, the data shows it. So for an organization, I think they need to show and prove and state and, and back all of that up that they are for humanity. They are for people of color. They are for equality. They are for people who, who do have disabilities and they can make accommodations, period. So is there, so after listening to this episode, what's one thing you hope um, the HR professionals listening go to go to back to work tomorrow or whenever they're listening and and do in their office tomorrow? Yeah, I don't know if there's there's one thing. I mean, because it's so complex. Um, right, I, I mean, it's huge. <laughs> it is. It's. I mean. You know, I've had conversations with my teenager about the color of band-aids. Well, it's bigger than that. I mean, it's 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 huge. Um, so to to sit down with with an HR leader in an organization and say, here's where you should start. It's it, because there's so much to tackle. 
it's really hard to say or, or to, to tell somewhere to someone where to start. And that's, you know, for me, where I get back to, you know, this is about humanity. People treat people fairly, um, whether it's your discipline practices or it's the, the, the holidays that you celebrate within your organization. Do it fairly. Do it as, as evenly as you possibly can. Yeah, I feel like what I hear you saying is that um, where where each person starts will depend on where they're at and what their organization needs. Um, but wherever that is, just start, right? Um, at, you, right. You have you have to start. But I, I think Anne, you make a great point. It, it there isn't one right place to start because everyone's in a different place. And I think that is important to remember because we can get caught up in the, um, I think especially those of us who are white doing HR, right? We can get caught up into, it's so complex. I don't know where to start. Um, and that can paralyze us instead of it's so complex and there's not just one place to start, but here's a place I can start there. I can start with discipline or I can start with holidays or, you know, like pick a policy and, and start there. Exactly. So we've talked a bit about in our organizations and as HR practitioners, what we can be doing um, within our organizations. But, you know, in your bio, you've got a lot of volunteer work that you do in professional organizations. And um, that is is something of a hot topic right now, right? Um, one of the ways that we move our profession forward is that um, – that giving back in professional associations and organizations. So, you know, you're an active volunteer in a lot of HR professional organizations. What do you expect to see from volunteer professional organizations as far as supporting diversity, equity, and inclusiveness, specifically for Black women and for non-Black women of color? I think the expectation for a volunteer organization is pretty much the same, just as when they are reaching out to recruit people to join the organization, either as a volunteer or as a member, as they're looking at who is going to hold what position in, in the volunteer ranks and on the board of directors, as well as, you know, how do you go about disciplining? How do you, you know, hold people accountable and responsible? It's, it's pretty much the same. The main difference being we're not being paid to do these jobs but it, it should be very similar. If you have, a, if you've made a statement and you say black lives matter or war for equality, then there better be proof behind that. Your, your membership makeup, your, the makeup of your board has to in some way, shape or form reflect the programs that you're putting on the, the offerings for your consumers and, and those who pay dues, those things should reflect the fact that, you know, you stand for, for other humans, regardless of what they look like and regardless of who they love. So the, the, to your, your question, for a volunteer organization, it's really not much different. I mean, they have, you know, they have members, they have consumers that they're serving, they have volunteers that are joining the ranks. If they, if they are standing for equality, then that should be reflected in, you know, who they are as an organization and how they operate, just like a, a for-profit business. 
Awesome. I, you know, I think you're, you're hitting it on the head. It's, it shouldn't matter if you're a for-profit or nonprofit volunteers or paying people. Um, we need to be equitable and treat everyone fairly and equitably. Um, I don't like saying tr- treat people equally because equal isn't equitable. Right. <laughs> equal and equitable are two different things. You yes. are correct. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Tiffany, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of the show, which is our question connection. But here we're girls, so we get to change it up. <laughs> we get to do what we want. But we do like to talk about networking because that's why we're here. That's what brought us all together was um, networking. So tell us a little bit about how networking has helped you in your career and what's been really effective for you. That's a really good question. And I would definitely recommend you know, following your passion and finding an organization that addresses that. So like you've mentioned um, throughout the conversation, you know, I volunteer with professional organizations. I'm also now volunteering with an organization in an HR capacity that's outside of um, HR, but my role isn't isn't an HR role. And what I have found is I have been introduced to people that have helped to push me in my career And then in turn, I've been able to also serve as a mentor to other people, which, you know, for anyone who has served as a mentor, you know that you also learn something from the mentee. But that I've got this incredible network of people that, you know, extends beyond the the states and into other countries. And, you know, being able to to reach out to individuals to, to get questions answered and to network on a regular basis has helped me in my career. So I think it's the, the networking component is absolutely invaluable um, when it comes to, you know, the work that I have been able to do. It's kind of augmented that. Um, it's led to, you know, me getting, being able to get up in front of hundreds of people and, and present information and present my experience, you know, and then, like you mentioned, Anne, kind of that um, advancing the profession. So, networking my the network that i have absolutely would not give it up love Glad to hear that <laughs> love to hear it. we are we are big proponents of networking here at hr wonder women um networking is how wendy and i met um and networking is how we've met pretty much all of our guests um yeah we we love it we we another thing that's great though aside from networking is um following people, you know, listening to podcasts, following people on social media, learning from others. So who is a woman or who are some women uh, or um, from traditionally underrepresented groups that we should all be following? Well, you've already mentioned Sarah Morgan. She has got a phenomenal business that she is continuing to build. Um, if she didn't mention it herself, I would definitely recommend you know checking out her podcast, following her blog. Um, another close friend of ours is Kirsten Greggs. She has started Trap Recruiter, um, so she also has her own business. Um, she does a lot of writing. She does some career coaching. She does a lot of work in um, the military space when it comes to hiring and, and cleared workers, um, just very, very full of knowledge and, and truth. And when I say truth, it, it, for me, that means that 
nothing's going to be sugar-coated. If you want to know, if you want to know something, Kirsten will tell you. We love Kirsten. She has also been a guest on HR Wonder Women. Um, yeah, two fantastic women to be following. Very much, very much so. Love it. Um, Tiffany, what is your favorite movie that features a strong female cast? Well, let's see. Given my love for baseball, it would have to be A League of Their Own. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> that is a good movie. I like that. You just had it there. No qualifications. Just this. Yep. Is the no one. qualifications. Just it's baseball. It's strong women. Period. End of story. Yep. Don't need anything else. So, how about a favorite female musician or band? Um. So, growing up, I would have to say um, the Go Go's and Cyndi Lauper. And then kind of fast forwarding to, you know, more recent times, it would be En Vogue and Missy Elliott. Very good choices. Very good choices. <laughs> uh, I, I have to admit, I uh, had my last trip up to Fargo when I was driving around. Um, I, I just told Siri to play Go-Go's. And it was so much fun <laughs> to just listen to the Go-Go's again after how many years of not listening to them. So. Good, good choices. All right, uh, Tiffany, favorite fictional female character from a traditionally underrepresented group? So this a little bit tougher, but um, so going way back, I, and I shouldn't say way back, it's because I'm not that old, but thinking back to um, Foxy Brown, played by Pam Greer. I mean, who, like any girl, any brown girl in the 70s probably wanted to be Pam Greer when they grew up. Um, and then she um, kind of came back, um, I think it was in the 90s, as Jackie Brown. But then more recently, we've got um, the Black Panther. So Shuri, who was T'Challa's younger sister, love her she's smart and she's funny and i think she had some of the best parts in the movie those are great choices those are great choices and yeah i mean harking back to foxy brown yeah wow um she's amazing she's amazing um talk about a badass woman uh um yeah so our our next question is what do you like to do outside of work and we ask this um, partly because we're nosy and we like to know what people like to do. Uh, but partly, you know, as, as Elena Valentine says, the shortest distance between two people is a story. And the more we get to know each other um, outside of just our work, outside of just our professional roles, um, the more we really know each other, that starts to break down some of those barriers of otherness. Uh, that um, so yeah, so we like to ask people just so that we can know you more as a whole person. What do you like to do outside of work? I mean, in in all seriousness, Anne, I am a mom, and that is yep. the the best job I've ever had in my life. Parenthood, period, hands down. Um, that um, I, baseball is huge in my house. Um, I've coached my son's teams in the past. Um, he's playing now, 
Uh, hopefully we'll get to target field and, and catch a twins game or two when they start back up at the end of July, 2020. Um, so baseball is huge. Um, I spend a lot of time just chatting with girlfriends and, you know, trying to support, support other women. Um, but that's, that's kind of the biggest thing. Uh, and my kiddo and I recently moved into a new home. So we're, you know, slowly trying to put that together and make it our own. I love it. I definitely hear you on the children thing, especially even just from like a time perspective, right? What do you like to do outside of work? Well, I have children. Right. <laughs> right. And, but, and it's not, and it's not even necessarily a chore. It's just, I get to take him places. I get to go places with him. I get to, you know, my entertainment is, is watching as he is doing the things he's, he enjoys doing. So for us, that's baseball. Um, in the winter, it's basketball. Um, and then, you know, for me, you know, when I make the time, I, I like photography, I like coloring for, um, you know, calming myself. I, I am a junkie when it comes to the spa, I will, you know, drop everything to get to the spa for a facial or a pedicure. Yeah, facials are, um, I feel like the under-recognized uh, spa treatment, they are amazing. Um, it's also really great. Like, it's great that you enjoy getting to be with your kid and the stuff that he enjoys. And it's also really nice that your kid, like one of the things your kid enjoys is baseball, which you already shared earlier, was something that you enjoy. And I think it's really lovely when you and your child share an interest um, that you that you get to explore together. So that's really nice. Yeah, it is pretty fun. And, and I, I try hard not to... Um, be a coach when when we're in the car, like going to or from a game. I'm I'm really uh, seriously. I'm I'm mom. I'm not the coach. There are times when I I'll ask, you know, you know, what was your favorite play or what was the best part of the game or can we can we pause for just a moment and I want to tell you one thing that I saw that I think you can do different next time. Otherwise, you know, I don't. I try not to coach. I try to enjoy the game and let him be a player when he's on the field or the court and be a kid when he's in the car on the way home or to, or to, to the events. Nice. Nice. I love it. Well, um, finally, Tiffany, um, we talked about a lot of big things, a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, but we want to end on a happy note or on a, an uplifting note. So what, what gives you hope right now? I, the first thing that comes to mind when I'm asked this question is just the generations coming up behind us. And, I, and I'm not talking, you know, generational differences and how to treat people based on their generation. But I look at the generation before me, um, I'm Gen X, and then we've got, you know, millennials and, and X, Ys and Zs and all that stuff. But there's more... I think acceptance and more just um, diversity in and amongst the, the generations behind Gen X. So it's just, it seems more natural and more, you know, part of who they are as people just to be accepting. So I think as, as they're coming up behind us, it, they're kind of normalizing essentially diversity, equity, inclusion. So, I'm hoping that that continues and that, you know, it's, it's less of a, a conversation about how do we start, but it's how do we, how do we maintain this? I like that. I like that. Children are our future. 
Um, <laughs> I love it. Well, Tiffany, this has been fantastic. I'm so happy we had a chance to chat with you and catch up and, and, and talk about some of these things with you. Um, for those listeners who um, don't maybe don't know you, um, how can they get in touch with you? I am on LinkedIn, um, Tiffany Keel, um, Sherm CP. I'm also on Twitter and it's at Tiffany Keel and it's T-I-F-F-A-N-Y-K-U-E-H-L. And if you're into pictures of, you know, outdoorsy stuff, baseball games, adult beverages, my kid playing baseball, um, you can also find me on Instagram and that's Tiffany Keel as well. Wonderful, wonderful. And I will have all of that in the show notes. Um, how about you, Anne? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn and Tomkinson. And the place where I spend most of my online time is definitely Twitter at A-N-N-E-T-O-M-K, Anne Tomk. Um, I would love to connect either place. Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter. Um, I am uh, Wendell93 or my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, and share this episode with others to spread the word about HR Social Hour and HR Wonder Women. And join us for our twice monthly chitter, chitter, ooh, Twitter chat. Um, the HR Social Hour uh, Twitter chat, uh, the second and fourth Sundays of each month at 6 p.m. Central Time. Um, would love to have anyone listening be a, uh, participate in those as well. Anyway, um, thank you all for listening and joining us tonight. Thank you, Tiffany, so much. Thank you, Anne, as always. And for the HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast, this is Wendy. Now, go tell your story. 